very much. Appreciate that good humble prayer. And I ask that we continue to pray. I hope there's prayers that are prayed long before Sunday ever comes. And I hope there's prayers that are prayed on Sunday morning before church time ever happens. And I hope there's many prayers that are prayed all during the service. And even after, that the Lord would keep upon our minds what he's blessed us to receive. You know, when the Lord Jesus Christ fed the 5,000 men, not counting in women and children, the disciples thought what they had wouldn't be near enough. But when the Lord got through with it, there were 12 basketfuls they could take home. So there was a blessing after the Lord Jesus had worked the miracle. And that's true to us in the proclamation of the gospel that things we may have heard last week or last month or last year or even many years ago might be a blessing to us today where we can still feed on the miracle of our Lord. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to begin in Romans chapter 11. And Lord being our helper, we'll be going different places. But to begin here, <clears throat> the Apostle Paul, in writing here to the church at Rome, says, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. What she not what the scripture saith of Elias, which is the New Testament way of saying Elijah, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so then at this present time, also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. If by grace, then it is no more works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace but it be of works and is no more of grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. The Apostle Paul begins in this chapter by saying, God hath not cast away his people whom he foreknew. It becomes pretty evident that the exact people under consideration there are the Jewish people. And the Lord here has a people we've heard taught very well that God's got a people out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. He has a people out of the Jews and he also has a people out of the Gentiles. 
And the apostle Paul saying, God's not cast away his people. He talks about how he himself is an Israelite and he is of the seed of Abraham and he's of the tribe of Benjamin. And then the apostle Paul begins to say something to look back to the past of the nation of Israel. Brother John Mark was in some of this the other day when Elijah, who lived in an extremely wicked time. Now we can identify with that, can't we? Living in an extremely wicked time. Let's look just a little bit about how wicked the king was that was the leader of the land at this time. Look in 1 Kings chapter 16, I believe it is. Verse 29 of 1 Kings 16. And in the thirty and eighth year of Asa king of Judah began Ahab the son of Omri to reign over Israel. And Ahab the son of Omri reigned over Israel in Samaria twenty and two years. Now we may have a president four years, we may have a president eight years. Here's a king they're describing that reigned for twenty-two years. Let's listen to what kind of king he was. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. That's quite a statement. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings that were before so we get a backdrop of the wickedness of Ahab in a nation that was supposed to be a nation that would serve the Lord, that would honor him and would proclaim his truth. We have an evil, wicked king that had built an altar to a false god, to Baal. And he had put an altar in it and he was a Baal worshiper. Things had gotten so bad that Elijah thought he was the only one serving the Lord. That's pretty bad. We may get despondent over what's happening in our nation today, but I believe all of us here have a sweet assurance we're not the only one serving the Lord in spirit and in truth. I'm going to tell you that's a blessing because Elijah got to the point, he seriously, he was wrong, but he seriously thought, I am the only one. The Lord had 
given him some great and wondrous victories. The Lord had mightily showed himself there on Mount Carmel when God Almighty answered by fire and showed all the nation of Israel that he is the one true almighty God. But even this great prophet, this man Elijah became discouraged. Jezebel, the wife of the king, came after him and said, as all the prophets of Baal that were slain, that you ordered to be slain, he said, you're going to be slain like them. And Elijah runs in fear. Brother John Mark covered some of that uh, last week. And the Lord comes in a very intimate way to Elijah. There was some great magnificent things when the, the Lord passed by. There was a great earthquake, great wind, a great fire. But what the Lord says I was in was in the still, small voice. A voice of peace. A voice that's able to comfort even in the midst of a storm. A voice that's much likened to the song that we sing, One Touch of Thy Gentle Hand can strengthen the faintest heart. Elijah's heart has gotten weak. He had even asked for the Lord that he might die. That's pretty discouraged. And we can be that discouraged at times in our life. But here the Apostle Paul in Romans 11 would remind that God hath not cast away his people. And he goes back to that time and said, even though it was a very wicked generation, even though the times were bad, that God Almighty in that still small voice had answered Elijah and said, you're not alone. I'm with thee. He told us in the New Testament, I'll never leave thee and I'll never forsake thee. What a blessing it is for us as little children of God to be reminded that the Lord will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. But also that you're not alone, even apart from me, Elijah. For I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Reminds me of those children of Israel in the Babylonian captivity, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their Hebrew names were Azariah, were Mishael, Azariah, and Hananiah. And they had been ordered by the king to bow down and worship that golden image, and they refused. The king kind of liked them, so he gave them another chance. But they still refused. They wouldn't bow down. They wouldn't forsake what they knew their Lord wanted them to do. They would not forsake the truth of their God. 
the God, our God, the only true and living God. They were thrown in to that burning fire furnace. Nebuchadnezzar was so angry, he said, heat it seven times more than it's wont to be heated. It was so hot that the people that, that threw them in were burned tremendously. But in the midst of that fire, the Lord was with them. Now I'm going to tell you, that's one of the things you see about the remnant. The remnant is not the whole. It's a part of the whole. It can be defined as a residue. Sometimes, you know, we as primitive Baptists that believe the truth of grace like we believe it, we could feel a little bit lonely at times. We may look around our workplace or our schoolhouse and think, you know, I'm the only one here that believes what I believe about the truth of God's wondrous and matchless grace and about the finished work of the Lord Jesus on the cross and that we should worship in the simplicity of the gospel with simply preaching, praying, and singing and nothing else. We can think we're small and we're alone. But the Lord's blessed there to be a remnant in every age that walks in the truth and doctrine and practice of the Lord Jesus Christ. One who do not shirk away in service unto God. The Lord Jesus had not yet set up the church when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were there, but I'll tell you, the Lord had a remnant in that day that we're going to serve him. And what did the Lord do for them? In the midst of that terrible fire, the Lord Jesus himself came unto him. Nebuchadnezzar looks and said, Did I, did not I four, throw three people into this fire? Yet I see four. And the fourth is likened unto the Son of God. The Lord was with them in sweet, sweet fellowship, even in the midst of the fire. And they come out of that fire. The Bible said their clothes didn't even smell like smoke. A fire that had killed others didn't even leave the smell of smoke upon them. God had a remnant in that day. And I'll tell you, the Lord has a remnant in every age. When we look at what the Apostle Paul writes unto the church at Corinth about the communion and he goes in verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 11. He said, For I received of the Lord. The Lord had, had revealed this to the Apostle Paul. Paul was not physically there, but if you read it, it's like Paul was there. And I believe the Lord showed, and, and by miraculous revelation, showed the Apostle Paul just what happened on that night when the Lord instituted his Lord's Supper, his communion with his disciples. He said, for I have received, not of men, 
For I received of the Lord. Who showed this to me? The Lord. Who revealed this to me? The Lord. For I received of the Lord. That which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament, my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show forth the Lord's death till he come. That tells me that when the Lord Jesus comes back again the second time, when the Lord Jesus comes back with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and he comes back in the clouds, there'll still be a people celebrating that same Lord's Supper, still remembering the broken body and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus, and still believing that that blood that the Lord Jesus shed for us finished the work, and that it washed all of our sins away in his own precious blood and that it separated our sins as far as the east is from the west never to be remembered again and there'll still be a people walking in the true practice that the Lord Jesus laid down when he walked upon this earth. There'll still be a people when Jesus comes eating of that bread and drinking of that cup and following the doctrines and the ordinances like the Lord Jesus gave, there'll still be a remnant. And in every age, the Lord has blessed there to be a witness to his truth. Amen. And I'm going to tell you what a blessing it is to be identified with the remnant. Amen. Elijah lived in very difficult days. And I'm going to tell you the days of the Lord Jesus, when you look at what Jesus had to say about his generation, uh, their difficult days in the time in which the Lord Jesus lived. John the Baptist would say this. In Matthew chapter 3 and verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits, meat for repentance. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11, verse 16. This is the Lord Jesus speaking. And it says, for whereunto shall I liken this generation? It's like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, we have piped unto you and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you and ye have not lamented. You notice the focus on the works of man? We have piped unto you works of man 
Ye have not danced. We have mourned unto ye works of man, but ye have not lamented. Then he says this, for John, that is John the Baptist, came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he hath the devil. So they're very focused on works, saying we have piped unto you, ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and ye have not lamented. They're very focused on men's works, but when it came to John the Baptist, who was walking in the truth, they say he hath the devil. What's, when I think of John the Baptist and the things John the Baptist said, I really think of two statements that really ring in my mind that are probably the most quoted of things John the Baptist said. One is when he sees the Lord Jesus and says, Behold, the Lamb, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. That's the truth. <laughs> John the Baptist was proclaiming the truth. He was the forerunner of the Lord Jesus. But that generation criticized him and said he had the devil when he was walking in the truth of the Lord Jesus. You know, the other thing that I always think of that John the Baptist said, he looked in reference to the Lord. He said, he must increase, but I must decrease. He said, it's not about me, it's about him. It's not about my works, it's about his work. But he was criticized by that generation. Then here comes one far greater than John the Baptist. The Lord Jesus himself. It said, the son of man came eating and drinking. And they say, behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bitter a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. They're the king of glory himself. God manifest in the flesh himself. The Lord of glory, the son of God comes. And they criticize him. That's the generation that the Lord Jesus was in. The Lord Jesus would come he would ask his disciples, who do ye say that I am? Peter would say in Matthew 16, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus would say, blessed art thou, Simon Marjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my father which is in heaven. He said, no man revealed this to thee, Peter. Flesh and blood's men. Any preacher I've ever met, flesh and blood. If I meet one that's not, I'll probably run the other way. <laughs> but he said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, Peter. But my Father, which is in heaven, there was a revelation given. And I'm going to tell you the sweet revelation that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, was revealed to us. Now I'm going to tell you the truth we believe about God's sovereign grace, His finished work on the cross of Calvary, and those sweet doctrines of grace that we believe it was revealed unto us. We could have never begun to understand it. The Lord hadn't warned us again. We couldn't have understood anything spiritual. Right. Amen. 
1 Corinthians 2.14 says, For the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But the Lord's blessed us to be able to understand his truth, and he's blessed us and revealed his truth to us. In every age, those that are blessed to know the truth and to walk in the truth, there's a remnant. It's only a part of all the elect family of God living at any given time. It's a residue. But I'm going to tell you within that, there's sweet blessings. What did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah get in that fire? They had the fellowship of God. We see as Zacharias and Elizabeth come on the scene. Again, the difficult generation that it was. The Lord Jesus would call it a wicked and adulterous generation. I think it was literally an adulterous generation and a wicked generation. I think literally there was a lot of unfaithfulness on the part of husbands and wives. That was very literal statement. But it was also an adulterous generation in forsaking the service of God. The Lord's our husband. And if we serve anything else but him, in a spiritual way, we're adulterous. And the Lord Jesus described that generation as a wicked and adulterous generation. But in the midst of that, we see some walking in the truth that they had at the time of the Lord. In Luke chapter 1, shortly before John the Baptist would be born, and then the Lord Jesus Christ would be born, we see we're introduced to two. Luke chapter 1 and verse 5, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea. Herod was a wicked king. Herod was a king that would kill his own family if he thought they might get the throne from him. He was a wicked, wicked king. Those were difficult days. But in the midst of that time, there was a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God. Walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren. They were both now well stricken in years. Doesn't mean that Zacharias and Elizabeth were perfect. But I'm going to tell you that blood the Lord Jesus would shed on the cross were shed for these elect people. Zacharias and Elizabeth. And they were doing their very best to do what the Lord wanted them to do and to walk in as much of the truth as they knew at that time. 
Again, it's before the Lord set up the church. And the Lord would appear unto Zacharias. Zacharias wouldn't believe what the Lord told him through the angel of the Lord at first. He was struck deaf and mute or couldn't speak. The Bible specifically says was struck mute or dumb till John the Baptist was born. But I'm going to tell you, they had a special blessing. There the angel of the Lord appeared unto him when John the Baptist was born. Uh, Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost in a special way and gave some amazing words. They felt the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit and of God. Elizabeth was blessed that when Mary came into her presence, who Mary had in her womb, the Lord Jesus himself, that she was blessed to fill in her womb John the Baptist, who she was the mother of, who, who was a miraculous birth. According to nature, they shouldn't have been able to have children, but God blessed. She felt within her own womb John the Baptist leap for joy. When not only John, but Elizabeth also came in the presence of the Lord Jesus. Even though Jesus was in the womb of his mother, there was a sweet fellowship that happened because John the Baptist, who leaped for joy in the presence of his Savior, Elizabeth, was also rejoicing. And she began to give praise unto God. Verse 42 of Luke 1, Elizabeth would, or let's go to verse 40. <clears throat> and entered into the house of Zacharias, Mary did, and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is it to me that the mother of my Lord should come unto me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed that there shall be a performance of those things which are told her from the Lord. Mary begins to give great praise to the Lord. And those identified with the sweet remnant walking in the ways of the Lord receive special blessings during this time. We go on a little bit later and Luke chapter 2, the Lord Jesus has been born. God manifest in the flesh. Don't make no mistake, the, the one that Elizabeth and John the Baptist came in the presence of, the same one that Mary carried in her womb, even then, he's the son of God. He is God 
manifest in the flesh, conceived by the Holy Ghost. John, the, the mother of the Lord Jesus and, and John, his uh, Joseph, his legal father, his real father was God himself, but his legal father was Joseph. Verse 21 of Luke 2, it said, And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in, in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Simeon names literally means to hearken to listen intelligently. And I believe he had been listening to the Lord. That he had been wanting to hear the words of the Lord. He had been reading God's word and meditating on God's word. He was waiting for something. So behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Again, his name means hearkening or listening. And I would to God, I'd always be a Simeon. I'd always be willing to listen to the words of the Lord and to hearken unto them. Said the same man was just and devout. The Bible rarely gives that kind of exalted language to a man, but here was a man that loved the Lord and here was a man that was walking in God's truth as best he could. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the comfort of Israel. He was waiting for the Messiah, the Prince of Peace to come. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. God was blessing him with his Holy Spirit. God was blessing him with the fellowship of the Holy Ghost. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, before he had seen the Lord's anointed, the Messiah that would come. And he came by the Spirit. Here was a man waiting for the consolation of Israel, waiting for the Messiah that would come, waiting for the Son of God and notice how much the Holy Ghost was upon him. I hope I would always walk in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit, not doing what I want to do, but by led by the Spirit of God by what He wants me to do. And He came by the Spirit into the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus for to do with Him after the custom of the law. Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God. Here he is doing his best 
to do what the Lord wants him to do. He's come by the Spirit into the temple. He's been waiting earnestly for the day the Messiah would come. That day was here. He's able to put verily the Son of God, God manifest in the flesh and hold him in his hands. And he lifts him up. And he blessed God. What greater blessing could he have had? You may say, Brother Mark, he's just a baby then. He, he's not the 33-year-old man that would die upon the cross of Calvary. I'll tell you, he's as much the Son of God right here as he would ever be. He's God manifest in the flesh. He is barely all man, 100% man. But he's barely 100% God. And Simeon would pick him up. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. What had he been listening to? What men said? No, he'd been listening to thy word, to the word of God. What had he been listening to and hearkening to? The word of the Lord. Now, would to God, that's what I'd always listen to. That I might not listen to men and what men say, but what God Almighty says. Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. What was the consolation of Israel he was waiting for? It wasn't a thing. The consolation of Israel he was waiting for was a person. And he was holding that person, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah that would come. He was blessed that his eyes saw that salvation. His eyes saw the consolation of Israel. He was blessed to have sweet fellowship with God right there. Now I'm going to tell you, that's one of the blessings that the Lord has blessed of the remnant is sweet, sweet fellowship with God. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. Our works don't get it. But the Lord in his wondrous grace has blessed in every age for there to be a remnant that has sweet fellowship with the Lord and walking in his truth in a wondrous and a precious way. He said, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Israel's not left out, but the Gentiles are included. God's got a people out of both. And he said, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of my people Israel. Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel for a sign that shall be spoken against. 
Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own heart also, thy own soul also. The thoughts of many hearts shall be revealed. Oh, the foretelling of what Mary would suffer as she saw her son, her God, on the cross of Calvary. There was another woman, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Aser. She was of a great age. Lived with her husband seven years from her virginity, and she was a widow of about four score. That's eighty and four years. She departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. You know, it brings up a question for me: When do I serve the Lord? Yeah. When do you serve the Lord? Is it on Sunday morning? Is it morning time? Is it evening time? I'm going to tell you, here's a dear sister. She served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Serving the Lord ought to be 24-7 for me. 24-7 for you. And she coming in that instant. You think it was an accident the time that she came in? <laughs> no. She coming in that instant, that very moment, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. God had blessed this sweet sister that had served the Lord with fastings and prayers night and day to, to know who he was and to speak of him to all those that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. She's like, here's the redemption. Here's the consolation. Here he is right here. And her eyes saw you know, we rejoice that Job at the end of time would be blessed with these eyes to see the Lord. Simeon and Anna got to see him with their eyes that day. That day. I want to go close here in Isaiah chapter 26. Again, what a blessing that no matter how lonely we may sometimes feel as Elijah did, that how may we may get discouraged that there's not as many as that a, a small number in relation to the whole that believe the sweet truths that we believe is old bad. And that seek to walk in doctrines and practice. Matthew 7, the Lord Jesus would say, enter in at the straight gate. For broad is the gate and wide is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be that go in there out because straight is the gate. That means hard is the gate. Narrow is the gate that leadeth unto life. Few there be that find it. It's not talking about getting to heaven. It's not talking about eternal life. It's talking about a faithful path 
of discipleship and following the Lord Jesus here. And the Lord Jesus, by his wondrous grace, said in every generation, there's going to be a remnant. In every generation, there'll be a witness to my truth in doctrine and practice in every generation. And I want to be identified with a remnant that walks in truth. I want to be identified with following in the footsteps of our Lord, our Savior, our Master, and our Redeemer. Isaiah 26 and verse 1 said, In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Here's a city of protection. Here's a, a city that has walls to keep things out that ought not be in. And it's got bulwarks. It's got fortifications to protect from the enemy. It says, open ye the gates. That the righteous nation, which keepeth the truth, may enter in. We have a place. We have a city. We have a true church. The true church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where we can fellowship with God and walk in His truth in spirit and in truth. And have fellowship, sweet fellowship with God. We can feel His presence. We can know we're not alone. And that we have our brethren and sisters that walk with us. We're reminded of a Savior's love and helps us to keep on keeping on in His service. He said, Thou wilt keep Him in perfect peace. Would we like perfect peace? Not just a peace, but as the Bible describes it, a peace which passeth all understanding. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, on our Lord, because he trusted in thee. What a blessing that our Lord walks with us and fellowships with us in a wondrous and a precious way. What a great and wondrous God of grace that we serve. God bless you is my prayer.